Good morning. How are we doing? Awesome. Well, welcome to Kensington. My name is Hayden. It's so great to be together with you guys this morning. As you can tell by this giant tub that we have on stage, it is Baptism Sunday. So we are really excited about that. I want to invite you guys to go ahead and stand with us as we start off singing. is safe within your name this we know this we know you promise never to forsake which you begin you will sustain this we know this we know Jesus Christ has broken every 
thinking about calling on the Lord. Uh, in this place, um, if you're new with us, we just want you to know that, that we have, are, are really looking to God and have found out that He's been faithful, that when we call on Him, regardless of what's happened in our life, He alone is one that can be strong enough for any situation. And uh, I'm glad you're here with us this morning. I'm super glad. I was even thinking another lyric that said, man, the, the, the enemy will flee, the darkness will flee. I think winter is fleeing. Come on. That deserves a cheer. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, we want to just tell you a couple things. But first of all, I want to let you know today is an exciting day because we're going to be celebrating baptisms. And uh, there are several people this morning and then again in our service at 1030 who are actually going to kind of give uh, witness to the fact that they found this to be true. That they called out to Jesus and he has met them in a powerful way. And we're going to hear their stories today, which is super, super exciting. Um, So anyway, just glad you're here. Welcome. Jill, you got some stuff to tell us coming up. Hey, this is for the ladies in the house. Smash. I mean, (laughs) there it is. I hear it. Super powerful weekend, ladies. Um, It's coming up fast. It's the weekend of May 18th. And uh, go ahead and check out this video. We'll chat after. This is the year of women. This year we've seen women rise up with strength and be empowered to do great things in their communities and around the world. We all have beautiful aspirations for the future, our families and for ourselves. But for many of us, we have lost the ability to dream as we've experienced the pain and struggle of life. Instead of the light we hope to be and bring to the world, we find ourselves hiding in the shadows, feeling second best. But that doesn't have to be the end of our story. Join us this year at Smash as we learn the art of embracing the damage and discover the love Jesus offers us as he heals our pain and frees us to dream again. To be fearless, bold, radiant. Oh, ladies, we all want to be radiant, right? We, we all have time and talent and gifts that God has given us um, to experience how we're supposed to lead life and live live life. Um, I'm telling you, I'm highly challenging you. Please step up, sign up for this weekend. Miracles have happened uh, over the the past years. Um, People that don't know Jesus at all, that just get an invite from a friend, and it literally changes the trajectory of their life. Don't miss out on the invite. And don't miss out on going. Head to starting point. We've got um, team members up there that are ready to register you, ask any questions, answer your questions. Yep. You got to be there. Yep. Um, I think this retreat, the women's retreat, Smash, and then the men's retreat, Man Up, have been two of the things that have been 
the most impactful at Kensington. Uh, Jill's not under, I mean, you're, you couldn't oversell this. Yeah. So take advantage uh, and just see if there's a friend that maybe you bring with you. Uh, you won't regret it. Okay. Yep. Here's, a, here's another thing I want to let you know. It's almost like a best kept secret. Um, and it's our strong partnership with our Orion campus. Since Orion is a permanent facility and they're, they're available 24-7 pretty much, um, they offer a lot of programs that we actually participate in. So just to give you an example, um, we're going to be starting up another Alpha class. Alpha is that opportunity to be in an environment where you can have those uh, spiritual conversations in a safe, non-judgmental environment. Okay, That's happening at the Orion campus during the week. Um, other things, we have a lot of recovery programs like divorce recovery or celebrate recovery where we get over hang-ups and addictions that have plagued us for years. The landing is the high school version of that. All those programs are happening at the Orion campus, and we have lots of folks here that are participating on a weekly basis. Women, too, again. Yes, yeah, we've got a strong group of women um, for our insights group. Um, Our own Ann Thompson here at the Clarkson campus is actually um, uh, one of the leaders um, and she's brought a lot of Clarkston campus ladies over to Orion. And then we also, MAPS is another easy one to get plugged into. That's Mothers of Preschool. Um, again, yep. we have a strong group from our Clarkston campus that's plugged in over there. So take yeah. advantage of it. Yeah, so starting point, we're going to talk about that a lot today. That's a place, uh, please stop by, let us meet you and give you some information. Would you give it up for my new friend, Laura Messamore? Come on, show her some love. All right, I like it. Hey, listen, um, let me just tell you, I'm just kind of do a little family chat with you. Uh, a lot of you've been here from the beginning. Some of you are new, whatever, but you come in and you go, wow, I love this place. They kind of, they're doing a really great job. When you think about the kids program, it has been a fastball for us. Wouldn't you say, those of you that have kids in that program, it's been phenomenal. Okay, but here's the truth of it. It takes about 40 people on a weekend to staff, this is volunteers, to staff that program, okay? And we have had an unbelievable team. Here's where we're at right now. We have 30. And so what's happening is previous weeks, I'm just telling you honestly what's going on, we've had to turn away early elementary kids because we have too many kids and not enough adults. And we're starting to have to combine some other classrooms in the upper elementary because we don't have enough people. So I... I wanted to just give you a chance to, like, some of you are going, I had no idea. And you may have just the right gifting and the passion to step in on an every other week basis, which is kind of the rotation that a lot of folks are on. Some people do it once a month. Um, But I wanted to let you know. Now, just tell us why this is worth their life. That's right. So what I want you guys to know, too, is that K-Kids is really super fun. I have been very impressed since I started at Kensington um, with what's provided, the curriculum that Kensington provides for the kids for the hour. I know um, in previous times when I first started volunteering with kids um, several years ago, I was anxious about how am I going to keep them busy for a full hour? You need to know that they will be so engaged. Um, They sit in a uh, a large group lesson. Um, So there's music, there's teaching, um, and you get to be involved with um, helping them and the little ones with the craft um, and all that's provided. Or if you're in the elementary part, um, you get to really engage them in some important discussion and conversation. Um, I was just talking to a volunteer who reminded me, this is how we fulfill the Great Commission. This is the next generation of kids that we're supposed to be discipling. And so if the Great Commission's ever felt really heavy to you, like how do I go make disciples? 
This is a really easy way. It's an hour a week, an hour and a half, to really influence children, um, the next generation. And you should know that our kids, your kids, are awesome kids. Um, They're kind, they're respectful, they're probably way better behaved for us than they are for you. So you should know that uh, you won't be in over your head um, if you can. It's a many hands make light work kind of thing. Um, And it's a great way to meet other moms and dads, other parents, Um, other people in the same phase of life and build community that way too. So it's a great serve, I think. Oh, it is. Um, A lot of us are intimidated. Like, ah, what if they ask me a question I don't know? I get asked questions I don't know every week. And I just tell them, yeah, that's a great question. I have no idea. Don't feel pressure about that. Just give those to Laura. She'll handle them. I'll say, ask your mom. And then, yeah, we'll throw it back at the mom. Uh, But here's another thing. Before we started, I really talked with our core team and I said, I want the Clarkston campus to be an experience for kids where they, they get a chance to rub shoulders with men. Uh, I've seen a lot of church ministries that are 90, 95% women in the elementary program, and it has not been that way here. Uh, This is a good friend of mine, uh, Patrick O'Meara. He and his wife, Rosella, they say, this is our gig. They've been doing this for like 15 years. They work with three-year-olds. Now, Patrick travels all over the world for his business. He's out of the country right now. And this, but when he comes home every other week, he and Roselle are down there with three-year-olds because they believe they can impact either that this precious, for whatever reason, they just love that age. But we have guys that have been so engaged that it's made this a unique experience. So guys, don't um, underestimate the power of kids seeing men that are talking to them about how Jesus is moving in their life. It's powerful. So anyway, I mean, this is a great opportunity. Just wanted to let you know, uh, be aware of it. Go to Starting Point and, and, or go meet Laura uh, and let's get some people signed up so we can continue to thrive in this area. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks, Give her a hand again. All right. <clears throat> So I think we're done, right? Yeah, it's crunch time. It's crunch. Everybody stand up. (laughs) Say hi to somebody. Be friendly. (laughs) And cheerful. It's spring. morning guys how you doing good isn't it funny crazy in michigan by the way ice storm 62 and sunny baby we may be part of a bipolar state but i still love it so hey i uh we are in week what really would be like week three but we're kind of week two of riding the storm so we can do baptisms today which is so awesome uh some of you thought is it like hot tub time machine like thing no 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 it's baptisms but we are uh you guys i know that crazy movie shouldn't even referenced it Yeah, let's keep moving on. So, but riding the storm, we're talking about today like breaking free when you feel stuck. Have you ever felt stuck? Have you ever been stuck, right? You can raise your hand. Some of you know, nope, you're pretty like smooth traveling all the time. I think most of us have been stuck, right? If we were to identify places. And uh, funny, it reminds me of a story. There are uh, three guys that were kind of stuck in a waiting room, and they were there. And they're waiting, and, uh, and so, man, this nurse runs out, and the guys are sitting there, and they're all kind of nervous, and they're, they talk to each other and things like that. And nurse runs out, and 
she, uh, she says, sir, she said, you're not going to believe it. And see, they're, the waiting room they're in is for like a new uh, kind of pregnancy ward and stuff like that. And they're in the hospital. And so these guys are expecting fathers, right? And, uh, and they're just super excited and nervous and all the emotions that are wrapped into those moments, right? And, uh, and the nurse runs out and she says, sir, sir. And she asks for, uh, Mr. Stevens are here. And he raises his hand. He says, yeah. And she says, you're not going to believe it. You know, and he says, everything okay? And she says, yeah, everything's great. Everything." Great, great delivery, all that kind of stuff. Everything's good. Why don't you come back here? You're, you're having twins. He says, you're kidding. He was so surprised because they didn't know. In fact, what these couples had in common, they didn't want to know the sex or anything at all. And they just were kind of going into it blind. And, uh, and he goes, you're kidding. He said, you know what's so crazy about that is I play for the Minnesota Twins. And she's like, you're kidding. And everyone's excited. They high five him. He runs out. And man, the next guy's sitting there and he's kind of nervous a little bit too. And sure enough, about 30, 40 minutes later, the nurse runs out and she runs in and she says, hey, she says, you know, Mr. Jeffries, are you there? And, you know, he says, yeah, it's me. And he said, you're not going to believe it. And he says, what? And he says, you're having triplets. And she said, you're, ki- you're kidding me. And he couldn't believe it. He says, you're not going to believe this. I work for 3M. I said, oh my gosh, you know. And, Man, the nurse is getting ready to go through the door of this guy, and all of a sudden she sees the other gentleman. He gets, to, he gets his belongings, gets his coat, and he's getting ready to kind of like run out. She said, what are you, what are you doing, sir? Your, your wife's in there. She's going to have a baby any minute. He says, hey. He says, that guy plays the Minnesota Twins. He worked for 3M. I work for 7-Up. I'm out of here, man. <laughs> he says, I'm going. He took off. No, he had to stay. See, in life, there are some things that you can run from, and there are some things you cannot run from. Isn't that true? Uh, being stuck in a situation, sometimes the cards you dealt in this life, you're stuck with them. And so that's what we're kind of talking about today, is saying what does it look like when we're stuck in situations? And no one's exempt. In fact, I saw a couple different pictures online that I want to show you. Uh, this dog got hunters. See, your household pet is not inevitable from being stuck when he breaks into the cereal box. And uh, even little kids, when potty training goes bad, the, really the bad thing is, who's the parent and said, hold on, let me get my camera? moment. <laughs> Uh, even stuck in traffic, which we've all been there, but even third world countries have issues being stuck in traffic. And, uh, but being stuck is not fun. In fact, many of you saw, probably heard in the news just a couple days ago on Friday, you see where that, the gravel train, that semi-truck, that it, it, it kind of, we don't know exactly what happened to the driver and things like that, but it derailed off the downtown Clarkson here a little bit, and it went right into the dentist office. In fact, Jordan Wicklin's in the back. She goes, that's my dentist. <laughs> uh, not that office anymore. But anyhow. They went in there, thank God nobody was hurt, but you're not going to believe it. There was somebody literally stuck in the back room. They were getting dental work done, and it was a friend of mine, Ian Wilson. It was his mom that was back there, and she was stuck for a couple hours. They couldn't structurally were trying to check out the, you know, the building and things like that and didn't want her out yet, and it was wild that that train, that semi-truck train I heard came that far from a gas main. And being stuck in that situation just created anxiety. And can can you imagine, it's like the last, it's worse enough sometimes to go to a dentist. God bless you if you're a dentist in here. We love you. We need you, you know. But like it's crazy enough to have to go to the dentist, let alone expecting something like that to happen. And more often than not, when we get stuck in a situation, we get caught in a storm of life, or say we didn't see it coming. We didn't expect it. How did this happen? How did I end up here? And the truth of the matter is we're there. We're stuck. And I, I thought sometimes being stuck it, for me, I don't know about for you, but it can feel like a prison at times, right? It may not have the block walls, and it's not a six-by-nine cell and a steel door that closes, but it's almost worse because you feel like you're stuck in this prison, this moment of time, and you can't get out of it. And I just, I wrote down some different things that I feel like I've been stuck in these. Maybe you've been stuck in these too. Maybe these resonate with you, but a prison of perfectionism. Keeping up appearances, keeping up with the Joneses, right? So to speak, like keeping up. What about a prison of performancism? 
striving to the point of exhaustion sometimes. So many of us in here are doing that. We're constantly just like, if we could perform better, if we could do more, if we could excel in our career, at our job. Or the prison, I put this, of comparison. Uh, like on Facebook, it's a big one. Maria sometimes, like, she'll get on there and someone will go, uh, laundry done, check, you know what I mean? House clean, check. Toilet scrub, check, you know what I mean? Groceries done, check. And she's like, I don't have any of that. My house is a disaster, check. Forgot to get the groceries from Click List, check. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's like so crazy. And I'm like, don't be, com- comparativism, it like will kill us. I put the prison of our past. It's like an anchor. The things right now that are maybe even popping in your mind from your heart, Gosh, if I could go back in time, this didn't happen. For the prison of pills, opioid epidemic in our nation's out of control. Do you know that? I mean, it's out of, like out of control, and it's imprisoning people all the time. There's a picture I want to show you of a young, two young boys, Nick and Jack. That's their mom, Becky Savage. In, in 2015, they both graduated from high school, and they both died on the night of their graduation from overdosing on pills. And she said ever since then, it's been like living in a prison. She can't escape the loneliness. She can't escape the pain. She can't escape it. I put even the prison of loneliness. Some of us are sitting in a room. It, it, it's, it's the most paradoxical thing. We'll sit in a room like this right now. And well, if you just shook somebody's hand, you maybe gave them a partial hug. You laughed. And you feel all alone. Put the prison of regret, of unforgiveness. And put this, the prison of being overwhelmed, right? What about overwhelmed? This is crazy. I saw this picture too online, and this lady has 17 kids, and, and she meant to. <laughs> it was planned, right? And I, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what, what is going on? This is intentional. And uh, <laughs> you stop and you think, and you're like, but it's like, and some of us, I feel overwhelmed with my three boys sometimes. We have a lot of kids, like Mark was just sharing. It's easy to feel overwhelmed with kids at times, isn't it? Maria's girlfriend, Veronica, just about a week and a half ago, she has five kids, and one of them has special needs, her daughter, and she's nine. And she had complications and organ issues and stuff, and she. She passed away, and I, she just, like, just overwhelmed is just a word that doesn't even capture or describe what she's in the middle of. We don't even know how to help, and outside of praying and trying to be there, you know, for her. I put the prison of uncertainty. This is a tough one. I literally have to go to a funeral this evening in Clinton Township. And as much as I'll try to wrap words around a situation and offer comfort and prayer, it's uncertain what they're going through right now as they navigate through this. And literally, a call just after that it happened yesterday, and there's a funeral that I have to do on Friday of this upcoming week. And it's crazy because this is just, there's a 13-year-old girl that had lost her dad when she was three, and now she's 13, and now she just lost her mom to addiction. And it's extremely uncertain. And her aunt and I were talking and just saying how to navigate through this uncertainty. And it feels like she's trapped. It feels like this prison, like they can't get out of. And I just, for us in here, I feel like when I look to Scripture and when we talk about the things we talk about and celebrating even people that are about to get baptized, it's like there's a life that God is inviting us into. It doesn't mean it's a life of ease and like no problem and smooth sailing. It's a life that will have storms. But in it, it's a life that, if we're not careful, we can get stuck in these prisons. 
the prison of all the things we just talked about. And it's like, we weren't meant to have that. We were meant to actually break free out of these things. We were meant to live a life of freedom. We truly were. That's what God invited us to live, this life of power and of freedom. And it's something so great. And today, as we kind of press into it, I want us to journey through a story. Because see, it's, the question to that is, have we ever been stuck? The answer is, yeah. But the real question today is, how do you break free? How do you break free out of these prisons? How do you break free out of this? That's what really I think our hearts are asking and longing for in the middle of this. And we're going to go to a story in the book of Acts. It's so amazing because in the book of Acts, it's really powerful. We watch the beginning and the explosion of the church take place. You watch these incredible women and incredible men as they begin to follow God into a life of freedom. Sometimes hardship, but freedom. But what's so remarkable about each one of them is none of them, none of them, what they all have in common, none of them seem to ever be trapped, even though they'll be trapped in prison or they'll be trapped in a weird situation or a tough circumstance. They don't seem to actually be trapped. Like they don't actually seem to be stuck in prison. They have this innate spiritual freedom that's inside of them. And when I'm reading in there and I'm watching, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want that in my life. I'm like, God, how do I have that, that amazing freedom, even if my circumstances aren't great, even if I'm in a situation where I feel stuck, even if like, the world might look at me and say, man, that stinks to be where you are, but you seem to have joy. You seem to have peace. You seem to have love in your life, right? I mean, wouldn't that be great to be said about you? People saw you and said, that's amazing. That, that's, that's awesome that, that you're in this, but you have this. And so today as we dig into the story about a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul that wrote most of the New Testament, and he had a buddy named Silas. And they're on this journey, and they're, and they're really like planting churches, and they're sharing the gospel, and, and, and lives are being changed, and it's incredible what's going on. But in the middle of it all, they find themselves stuck smack dab in the middle of a prison, a literal prison. And they meet a guy, a jailer. And that's what we're going to kind of pick up in the story. And this jailer is like the keeper of this prison. He's the one that's in control and holds the keys, literally, to the cell doors. And I want to discover that even though Paul and Silas are in this prison, we're going to discover that the jailer is the one that actually needed breakthrough. He's the one that needed to answer that question. How do I break free from his personal prison? And so today as we go into this... um, I just, I want to do this. I just want to pray before we even, just for a second, before we get into this scripture, um, just because I believe that people today, that when we walked in these doors, we would never maybe say it out loud, but you feel trapped. You feel stuck. You feel like you're in a prison right now, if you had to describe it that way. And, and, and maybe like nobody knows, and you're like, how do you know that? Because I've been there. You've been there. Maybe you're there. And so that's not God's heartbeat and plan for us. Let's just pray just for a quick second. God, I ask in this moment that you, God, that you help us find spiritual freedom to get unstuck, to not feel like we, uh, we're in a prison forever, God. Help us in your name. Amen. Uh, I ask too, this time, if I could have the ushers just come forward and go ahead and we'll take our offering now as we kind of get ready to read through this narrative. Uh, and if this is, I want to tell you, if this is your first time here, you've been checking us out, we're glad you're here. And you don't need to feel pressured at all to give. But for some of us that you're giving in this place, I want you to know that you're giving. It contributes to the K-Kids program you heard about, to the ability to be here, to mission trips we do. To today, you are tethered in and part of these stories that you're going to hear about in just a few moments about people celebrating new life in Jesus Christ as they uh, get baptized. So, but the story picks up here in the book of Acts. And, uh, and here we go. It says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. 
when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I just want to take a quick second. Stocks are like handcuffs on steroids. They're out of control. They, they, would, they would bond in your hands, on your feet. They would keep you fastened in an uncomfortable position for hours, days, even weeks on end. Your body would go into severe cramping and muscle cramping like you'd never even experienced. It was like an extremely painful thing to take place. And, uh, and this is what Paul and Silas have been thrown into. But listen, this is so ironic. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Really? And, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. See, his responsibility and role was to keep them inside the prison. That makes sense for a jailer, right? Like that was his number one job. And under Roman law, he would have personally lost his life in that moment. If the other guards would have came, people came and said, I can't believe you lost our prisoners in spite of whatever happened. You're going to die anyhow, a horrible death. And so he was going to take his own life. He had given up. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. He says, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all others in this house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. I'm reading this story and I'm like, are you kidding? Like when you, I'm telling you, if you have time, just just read in the book of Acts. Just take out your Bible app and uh, download it and begin to read through it. And you're, I'm like, this took place? I'm like, let alone this incredible miracle Like, they're locked in prison. Imagine you get thrown in prison in the inner cell, the worst part of the prison. You have have these stocks on your hand and your feet, and and you're singing. And you're singing worship songs. And everyone in the prison stops to hear you because they want to know, are these guys crazy? Or or do they possess something that's greater than these prison that they're in? Is, is it, are they really followers of Jesus? Did Jesus give them this joy in their, their life? And it just, it's just wild to stop and think about what's taking place here. And all of a sudden, this jailer goes from wanting to kill himself to celebrating over food and a meal full of joy. And I'm like, all I can see is what happens here is that he believed in God. I don't see anything else that took place in this story. I don't see any other outside components that intersect in. I just see that he believed in God and everything began to change. And so I want to take us just quickly to kind of like retrace the steps if we could. I I just want to walk through with the jailer for you and I to walk through with him and just say, oh my gosh, like what did you experience? How did you begin to possess what Paul and Silas had? Because I don't know about you, but in this life there's storms. Do you agree? There's storms that you're, you're in the middle of right now. There's storms that you're going to go through. I heard Mark say it a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't been in one, or maybe you'd say, I've never been in one, hold on, baby. <laughs> because the storm's coming. You're saying, is that the worry in there? No, not at all. It's to really prepare you that that's life. But Jesus says, in this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. 
Because Jesus is like, if you're with me and I'm with you, he's like, you don't have to worry so much. And this is what this jailer discovered. And so I, I just want to retrace the steps and, and take us through, I'm going to call them the three B's, okay, uh, of what he does. He, he kind of, he beheld something amazing and it changed his perspective. He believed, he put his faith in something bigger than himself and it gave him, it ignited him with spiritual, supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Then he had breakthrough. His whole life changed forever. And so I want to start in the first one, behold. Behold is like an interesting word. We don't use it a lot in our culture anymore. We don't use it a lot in our vernacular, in our conversations. Behold. But you know it when you see it. When you've beheld something great, something beautiful, something amazing, something awe-inspiring, you know for sure. I, I remember the first time I saw Maria. I felt like if I got a theme music, this would have been it. Chris Isaac, Wicked Game. And I saw her across like this, like we were at church actually, ironically. And I saw her and I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like trying to think what to say and I was like walking up to her. And she was like, it was one of those things where like, I'm like, is there a fan in the corner? Because her hair like whipped and she had princess hair. You know, as a guy, I was kind of like, <clears throat> you know, walking over trying to just be like, it was just an amazing moment when I saw her. I'm like, she is so beautiful. And when I met her, she was just as beautiful inside and out. She was amazing. I love that song, by the way. <laughs> we, yeah, we can take it down. Even though I could probably keep it. I wish I had theme music. Where's that theme music when I need one? Like, hey, baby, how you doing when I come home? You know. <laughs> but that's like, uh-uh, and that is the definition of behold. <laughs> so... When you've truly beheld something, that inspires you. It changes you. It ignites your soul. And I, I, I thought, man, when I met her, and what's crazy is Maria is as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside. And there's a part of me that, that this changing thing that took place in my life when I met her is that I came from a unique family background. She came from a, a, like a sound, structured family. And I thought, I almost had a little fear. I'm like, will she accept me when she really knows the kind of family I come from and things like that. And because what I was beholding in her, I'm like, this is amazing. I almost didn't feel worthy of it. And I want to pick up in this part and just rephrase. Remember, this earthquake takes place, which is a miracle in of itself, a natural phenomenon, a miracle. The, the, the prison would break free, cell doors would open. But pick up, it says, the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. And all of a sudden, he hears this voice because he had thought everybody had escaped. It says, but Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Don't harm yourself. We are all here. And I think I'm like, what, what, what is going on? When we dive into the story, when he heard that voice, he stopped. He grabs lights. He runs in. He, he tries to figure out what's going on. And I just think of this, like the jailer saw the prisoners have this opportunity for a major jailbreak. Like if you're in prison, the number one you're thinking of doing is what? Getting out right? Like a, a jailbreak. Like, this is the most amazing jailbreak opportunity ever, ever. He's like, for sure they're gone. And instead, they're not. They're there. Paul says, hey, we're, we're all here, man. Don't do that. Don't do that. We're, we're all here with you right now. And I think what he saw in that moment was something so great and so amazing. I think flooding into his mind and his heart, if I could just take some liberty here, he thought, oh my gosh, these are the guys that I put in stacks. These are the guys that I put into the inner part of the prison. These are these guys that were singing hymns. What, what made them sing? What brought them joy? That's who they are. And all of a sudden, they're telling me, don't harm yourself after I harmed them. 
and I put them there by my own hands, my own strength, and they're telling me don't do that. And I think what he saw was, when he thought of the singing, he thought they have joy. Have you ever met somebody with actual, real, supernatural joy? Not fake, not manufactured, but real joy. And he thought, I don't have joy. I, I want that in my life. He thought they have peace. They're locked up in stocks, middle of the prison, middle of the night. An earthquake take, and they don't run. They don't go. They don't flee. They have peace in the middle of the storm. Jesus says this. He's like, see, Jesus' own words and scriptures, peace be still in the middle of a storm. And Paul possessed, Silas possessed this peace in their life. And he's like, I want that. And think of the love. Think of what kind of unconditional love it takes to tell to your persecutor, your prosecutor, the person that inflicts pain upon you and says, don't harm, I know you harmed me, but don't harm yourself. And he's sitting there and, and he beholds something that he had never seen before. He'd never seen the likes of joy like this or peace in this way. See, this is the heart of the gospel. Paul was so excited to tell people, don't harm yourself. Don't give up. Don't quit because you're in the middle of the storm. Don't stop. Don't do that. There is love and there is joy and there is peace that you can behold that'll change your perspective forever. You say, why are you so passionate? Because we need this. I mean, if we lack this, if we are in the absence of this, what Paul had in the book of Acts, then forget this. This is just religion. But if it actually is a relationship with a living God that we get real power and real joy, the power to overcome the prisons we're in, then sign me up, right? But if not, forget it. And I think the jailer's like, man, sign me up for this. And I want to ask you a question. What would your life right now, right now, look like if you had that kind of joy in your life? Could you use that? Could you use peace in whatever you're walking through right now? Could the relationships you have, whether it be marriage or parental, or, or maybe some of our students in here, relationships you've got with your parents, what would a big dose of supernatural power and filled love do to those relationships? What would they do? And a lot of us are sitting there saying, yeah, that was for this guy, that was for somebody else. What if I told you the truth is it actually could be as close as just believing? You say, really? Yeah, just believing. Look at the next part, what happens in the story. See, believe is the second B. He beheld something so amazing that changes perspective about his personal situation. And he, and he comes up and look what he says. He says, the jailer called for lights. He rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He says, what, what is it? They replied, what is that word? Believe in the Lord Jesus and say, go to church every Sunday. You got to get all your stuff together. You got to be perfect. You got to be a performer. You got to be a legalist. You got to didn't say any of that. He said, you have actually got to believe in the Lord Jesus. See, I, I think we all, like the jailer, we all want something miraculous in our life. None of us wake up and we're like, I just kind of pray. If I had to pray, I would really pray God today. You give me a mundane life. Just a big smack dab of mediocrity, man, in my life. No way. I don't think so. I think we're like, God, could you show up in a miraculous way, right? Like, I'm looking, I, I, I think that. I, I think, don't you want God to almost work a miracle in your life to help you break free of whatever you're stuck in right now? I, I mean, I just stop and I think that for us. And I, but we've all put our faith in something or our trust in something that's let us down. As anybody, have you ever put your faith in anything or someone and they let you down? 
Yeah, that's all of us, really. Have you ever put your faith in yourself? This is the hard part, and you've let you down, right? That's definitely all of us, and if you haven't agreed to that, <laughs> wake up. You know, I, I, it, here's what's crazy. Isn't it worth, I think, looking into an alternative like the jailer did? Because he put all of his strength, if he put all of his strength himself and everything, guess what? He failed. I mean, I know when I look at my life, I, I fail so many times. And I'm like, gosh, if this is up to me to lead well in my family or here in our amazing community or in other parts of my life, and I just keep failing and I fail, eventually I'm just going to give up. And I feel like I'm, I'm going to be a, in a spot like the like jailer. And he's like, I'm at my end. I can't do this. And then when he sees this, he tells Paul, he's like, what do I do? He's like, believe me, here's the ironic thing, I think. The jailer is the what? Key holder. He holds the keys to the cells. He holds the keys to this place. And he's not asking himself for the key for this kind of freedom. Who's he asking? The prisoners. <laughs> I mean, how upside down is this story? Are you kidding me? I'm like, dude, you have the keys. You're in charge. Like, you, you, you run the show. But that's the amazing thing about the kingdom of God is like things are sometimes upside down. The things that we're striving to believe in, whether we're putting belief in ourselves, belief in our job, belief in our marriage, belief in whatever, all these other things to give us peace, to bring us joy. And God's like, dude, it's somewhere else. And like the jailer does it, he steps outside of himself and believing was like the key. I, this week, I just like heard of these different things that happened. There was an amazing lady, mom, and, uh, in Traverse City, and she'd been praying she needed a car and uh, nobody really knew. And so somebody discovered that she needed a car and she'd been praying for it and didn't tell anybody. And we have this, we have this like kind of ministry called Full Throttle at Kensington. And they actually gave her a car. She got this Malibu and she's like, I didn't tell anybody. She was believing God would step in her situation and help and it, and it changed it. And I, you know, I, there, there's a gentleman we met this week. How many know what Hope Water Project is? You guys know what that is? How many of you have ran in it or plan on running in it or sport? It's this amazing thing, Hope Water Project. And we, we do this and we run and we bike and we do all this kind of stuff. And it helps like kind of put wells in, in this place for the Pokot people in South Sudan and, and Africa. Uh, and the amazing thing is we met one of the guys that was there that kind of leads the whole thing, Julius Mugor. And he's like amazing. His outfit was so cool. Like he, I saw him, he had like this checkered hat on, checkered shirt. And or he's in our staff meeting just talking. And it was wild to think that he, like, believed what it did because, see, we see Hope Water and thousands of people are running. There are hundreds of wells, all this amazing stuff taking place. But it started with the belief of one individual. Do you know out of the Pocot people that he was the first, he told us this, I was so blown away. He was the first one to believe. He was the first one to put his belief in Jesus just like the jailer was the first one in his household, he put his belief in Jesus. And I, I, had, I had emailed and I just asked. I said, you know, I just want to know, like, what, what is going on now? What kind of breakthrough have they had? What kind of, like, uh, ministry is this, like, in its entirety? And, and they sent me an email back. They said, since the past 20 plus years, since he had put his faith in Jesus Christ and been sharing with other people, 266 churches have been planted 68 preaching points, 230 wells, 112 have been funded by Kensington. Do you know that almost a couple thousand people drink off one well? And when a well's there, that they're able to begin to put a village around almost 400,000 people. 900 children in three children's homes, 260 plus children in high school, 56 kids that have made it to college, 50,000 plus people being baptized, like today, like what we're doing. Dozens of schools sponsored by local churches that he's been part of. Uh, they have a high school with 120 students, 14,000 
women and youth, young, young, like from older women to young women, I've been educated on the risk of what's called FGM. We've shared that here before, and because some of the kids in the crowd, I'm not going to specifically go into that, but just a horrible practice that like he's helping them bring social justice and get away from. 80 girls last year went through this alternative rite of passage that they've come up with. It's just out of control to, to stop and seem like, oh my gosh, like he put his belief in Jesus and everything changed in his life. Like the whole trajectory of it, it all changed. And I'm like, he had major breakthrough. And I, I just asking us a question again, like, what are we putting our belief and faith into? Like today, when you see people that, that get baptized, like, what is it they're putting their trust and their faith into? Because I don't know about you, but I've tried putting my faith myself and others and people around me. And I'm like, it's never worked out like I thought. See this third part of the B, it's breakthrough. It's breakthrough. See, look at what it says in scripture. It says that that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. When I watch this, this is really what the church is supposed to look like. It really is. It's supposed to be people that are experiencing the power of God in their life, and everything begins to change. Like, everything changes for him. Like, his whole life. Did you know that, if you study in history, that this guy went on to be like a pillar and founder in this church that was there in this place, in Philippi, where Paul had met him? Like, everything. He discovered joy, his family legacy changed. And it was, like, powerful. I stopped my think. Where, where is he? I'm seeing him in here. Tim Keister is our, our student ministry pastor back here. You guys see Tim wave over there. You know what's so crazy? Yeah, give him a hand, man. This guy is like rock solid, amazing, awesome. It was just like a year ago, we're talking at Leo's Coney. Great place to eat, by the way. Leo's Coney, and we're there, and, and it's like the whole trajectory started shifting in your life, and you anchor it in, you put your belief in Jesus Christ, and it's so wild to think just, you were being baptized here a little bit ago, just a couple years ago, and now you're helping baptize students, making the same belief and choice to find breakthrough in their life. I just stopped and think about a friend of mine, Harry Blaker. Man, you guys know Harry Blaker around here? Guy is awesome, unbelievable, big guy, can't meet him, looks like Santa Claus. Always in a good mood. And like, what we're doing is wedding in July, and I've just watched God work powerfully through his life because he's trusting, put his faith in Jesus. Julius was telling a story just about the different people that have been affected and impacted by this ministry, all by believing in Jesus. There's a young man, he's now an oil executive, and he's doing great things, and he's going to come back, and he wants to help his people, like, uh, in this different part of Africa. And he's, like, well-educated and sharp. And, and like, his, the reason he's there is because Julius believed 20-plus years ago in Jesus. And then a church was planted. And then a mom decided, I'm not going to get rid of my kid. I'm going to raise him. And this is just wild to think. I just want to ask you this, like, in our community— what have we really, I mean, really anchored in? We said, we're going to put our belief in Jesus. We're going to trust him. It's, it's like, yeah, it might be outside of what you normally do. It's outside of your faith paradigm. But you're like, I can't get breakthrough on my own. I can't figure life out on my own. I can't really experience pure joy on my own. Real love, unconditional love in my life. Man, like maybe God's been nudging you and inviting you even today to, to do something different with your life. And you're like, I don't know if I can do You can trust Jesus, I'm telling you. Every time I watch people put their faith in Jesus, exponential and unbelievable things take place. They just do. 
But here's the thing. We can talk about this jailer. We can talk about Julius. We can talk about Tim. We can talk about Harry Blanker. We can talk about people. But what about you? Like you can come and hear and leave and never experience. You can hear the baptism stories that are going to happen. But what about your miracle? What about your miracle? And you're saying, God, what about me? And I feel like God is he's speaking back to you today and he's saying, I'm right here waiting, wanting to show up in your life, wanting to walk through the storm with you right now, wanting to bring the love in that you need so desperately in your life, wanting to bring joy that you need. Like that's what Jesus does. He changes everything. You see, when it's you and Jesus, you're the majority. You plus Jesus equals the majority in this world. Do you hear me? You plus Jesus equals the majority in this world. So you can stand and say, bring it. Bring the thunder. Bring the rain. Bring the lightning. Bring it down. Put me in the middle of the worst storm possible because you plus Jesus equals the majority. Have you beheld something so great that it was awe-inspiring to your soul? And then you asked yourself and you knew I got to put my belief in something outside of what I'm currently doing. And when you do that, no different than the jailer and these others we've talked about, you experience breakthrough in a powerful way, the way you're going to hear about in just a moment. I want to invite you to be part of this, this song. It's called God of Miracles, because that's what he does. He does the unthinkable, the impossible. He does the amazing in our life. And I, I pray this for you today. Don't leave this place not trying or not testing or not asking yourself or stepping in in a moment of faith saying, God, could you do something in my life? I need you. The Bible says that God is a very present help in the time of need. In the middle of our worst moments, Jesus is like, I will stand with you. Don't stand alone in this place. God, we ask you as we we move into the song, God, that these words might be real, that you really are the God of miracles. I believe that, Jesus. You are the God of miracles. But God, I think what's more important today is that others may be able to say that, that you are the God of miracles in their life. Jesus, move in this moment, even as we sing something that might be hard for some of us to sing. God, let your spirit make it real in our heart. Convince us like you convinced the jailer that you are the one that we can put our belief into. May you bless as we sing. In Jesus' name. God of me. 
life is flowing through my veins. His life is flowing through my veins. Cause I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. Yes, I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of in the staff meeting that Jeremiah mentioned with Julius uh, Murgor. Um, 
he told his whole story to our staff. And at the end, I said, man, as a, as a, just a brother of ours, what would you say to us? You know, and he thought about it for just a second. And then he said this, he said, keep it simple. Tell the gospel. Just keep it simple. Tell the gospel. Here's a man who has a place of influence unlike most of us. Literally hundreds of thousands of people's lives are being changed because God reached down with his miraculous power with this one little shepherd kid in a remote part of northwestern Kenya. I mean, it's unbelievable. And he just looked at me and he looked at us and he said, keep it simple. I just want to read to you the gospel. This is it. This is everything Jeremiah and I can say. You know, Julius said, you know what? The world is so complicated. People don't need more complication. So here it is. For God so loved the world. I'm just going to say this. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. That whoever what? Believes in him. Whoever believes in him. That simple. Put our trust. Whoever believes just means put our trust. Put our trust in him. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's it. That's what Julius was saying. Mark, don't get it. Don't get so complicated. Just tell people the gospel. That's it. And uh, what we're going to do right now is we're going to see a few people that have recently put their trust in Jesus. Just like the song said, I've seen your miraculous power. I believe. I want to tell the world. And so let's, let's celebrate together God's miraculous power that's alive and well today. Jesus, so my life was good and easy. 
I did my work only when I felt like it or to please my parents. I unshamefully made small mistakes that never seemed to matter. I never knew anything of the Lord watching over me, pleading for me to come to Him. When my parents first introduced me to Christ, I wasn't all that interested. Soon, I went to church more often and I got more curious. I went to Spring Hill Camp to get more closer to God, but at the breakaway all-nighter, it hit me I would be a follower of Jesus. How has my life changed since Jesus? I've changed in many ways that I am proud of. I started to be more cautious of my mistakes. I started to depend on the Lord and my family. I am happy to hand my heart over to the Lord just like the many before me. I was baptized as a baby, but I never had the opportunity to, public show, to publicly show my love and commitment to the Lord. Jesus is helping me to grow in knowledge and wisdom so that I can be a good example for my children and grandchildren. So they were talking about Smash earlier, and I just want to say it truly is a life-changing experience. Since last year when I attended Smash, I truly felt Jesus so deeply, and I have been on an intense journey. I have realized how little effort I have been putting in and how much I have been neglecting the promise that I made when I was baptized seven years ago. I thought I knew God, and I thought I had my faith figured out. I thought I had a plan, and I knew everything. I was wrong. I have watched Kensington do baptism after baptism since, and all of a sudden, when it was being talked about again, I felt this yearning to make that promise again and show God that I am all in. It's like saying you don't know what you have until it's gone. Well, with Jesus, it's more like you don't know what it could be until you have him in your life, because it's definitely amazing. Now that I have begun to truly study the word and understand how to shine in God's glory, I have so much more understanding for what Jesus gave us. Living in the light is one of the most amazing feelings in the world. And uh, just one thing I want you to think about. There may be some of you, and this happens every time we do this, that today is your day. I mean, today's the day when God broke through. You've seen the truth. You can feel the Holy Spirit moving in you. And I just... I just want to invite you, if that's you, uh, just come up and meet me down here, and we'd love to do that today. So you think about that. If God's moving, don't, don't wait one more day, okay? All right. <clears throat> well, Avery, this is amazing. You did an amazing job up there, and we want to ask you a question, okay? Yes. Uh, do you put your whole faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Avery? Yes, I do. I love that. Well, then it is our privilege for Tim and I to baptize you, my little sister, in the likeness of the death of Jesus Christ. Raised in new life, Jesus. Stop. 
precious blood of Jesus again at the uh, 1030 service, by the way. So there's no excuses, man. If you feel a nudge, like Mark said, we want to invite you to be part of this. What an incredible thing to watch people putting their faith and trust in Jesus in their trajectory of their life changes forever. Wasn't today incredible? Seriously, watching life change. This is what the gospel is all about. God loving and changing lives one at a time. So Well, God bless you guys. Thank you for being part of today. I'm telling you, it's supposed to be 62 and sunny out. If you feel like you need to go home and get a shirt, dry clothes, come back. We'll baptize in the next service. We love you. Have an incredible day.